Welcome back to Booze and Buffy, a podcast where we are watching and discussing every episode of Buffy the Vampire Slayer and Angel one by one. We will be spoiler-free of details from future episodes, but we will make reference to previous episodes that we have covered on this podcast. Going up in flames like it's fucking burning, man. I'm Jason. Mm-hmm. And just looking for a connection, even if I have to kill everyone I connect to... I'm Harrison. That's quite apt, actually. (laughs) Uh, Jason, please tell me, what episode are we watching today? Harrison, we are watching Angel, Season 1, Episode 2, Lonely Hearts. This is the one where Angel goes to a bar and finds out there's demon just, like, hopping from people to people. Mm -hmm. Uh, Lonely Hearts was written by David Fury and directed by our man, James A. Contner. Uh, and originally aired what? on October 12th, 1999. Jason, what are you drinking this week? Um, Harrison, I'm drinking my last uh, Dos Equis Amber. I am also in the the realm of beer, although not quite a beer technically. But I am drinking sounds like a, a cider. I am drinking a cider, an Angry Orchard, <laughs> uh, the uh, crisp apple unfiltered. Um, it's a little, um, uh, it's a little less sweet than their regular like apple cider. Um, it's very good. Um, so I believe it's it is my turn to do the toast this week. Okay. So. Um, I'm going to do our toast this week. We are recording this episode the day after, uh, the election was called. Um, so I'm going to do our toast to, uh, our new, uh, president and vice president elect, uh, Joe Biden and Kamala Harris, um, and to, uh, uh, taking the right steps to, uh, put our country back on course this isn't the. This election was not the finish line. It was the beginning. Uh, so to quote Leslie Nope, go find your team, and get to work. Hell yeah! Quite an apt choice of uh, of quote as well. Seeing as how Leslie just freaked the hell out when she met Joe Biden <laughs> in the show. Yep. I actually watched um, on on election day. I was like. I'm, I'm kind of feeling the mood to watch uh, Win, Lose, or Draw, which is uh, the season four finale, which is the election day of Leslie's council um, council campaign. But then I was like, you know what? No, I'm not. Like, if things go south, it's just going to be depressing that I watched this episode. So, um, but after they actually called it, I was like, all right, I'm going to watch that episode. It's going to make me feel happy. Uh, it's a really good episode. And I, I can I can laugh and not like sit there crying. <laughs> um, yeah, last night um, I watched uh, a friend and I watched the um, election movie with uh, Matthew mm. Broderick and Reese Witherspoon, and yeah. um, pretty fun. I, I I definitely don't know how fun it would be had I like had the election gone a different way. Yeah, but then again, <laughs> but then again, like. Nothing would have been fun if the election had gone a different way. Yeah, 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 yeah. Um, there was a pizza man or a pizza person just walked up to my house. I think Grace ordered a pizza. 
You should take it and eat it for yourself. I don't think I will. Oh, hold on. I think a pizza guy's pretty hot. I'll take him. I'll eat him for myself. Anyway, <laughs> sorry. Um, this yeah. I, this <laughs> is why I usually keep, I usually close the blinds <laughs> when we record because I always get distracted and it's always by, it's always Jeez. literally like, oh my gosh, that person walking by with their dog is really <laughs> hot. It's all. <laughs> I, I, God, I can't wait till we. I can't wait till we record in person again because <laughs> we won't have to worry about that. <laughs> Let's run outside. My husband's not home. Um, anyway, <laughs> speaking of lonely hearts, uh... <laughs> that just happens to be the episode that we are on. And uh, this episode starts off with Angel doing what he does best, <laughs> sitting in the dark alone. <laughs> I love that the uh, the synopsis here on the Buffy wiki, like, just, just straight, it just calls him out. At the office, Angel sits in the dark alone. <laughs> but yeah, it's his, it's one of his favorite activities. Um <laughs> he... <laughs> Yeah, and Doyle's like, hey, come on, let's, you know go out there and have some fun let's go to a bar and uh and angel's like no (laughs) but uh doyle totally wants to go out with cordelia and he's looking for any excuse that he can and he even asks angel to put in a good word for him but you know don't tell her about the whole him being a half demon sort of thing Mm -hmm. um which at first i'm just like Dude, just tell her the truth. Like, but then later in the episode, we have a Cordelia moment where I'm like, okay, Doyle, maybe you're, uh, maybe you're on the right track, keeping that close to the vest for now. I don't know. You, you, you gotta tell her about it. Tell her everything you feel. That's Give true. her every reason to accept that you're for real. That's true. That's a good point. Um, I'm just saying, Cordelia doesn't necessarily instill in him confidence in this episode that she will be accepting. No. Um, yeah, which is funny that I'm um, I, <laughs> I'm watching as I've mentioned several times I'm watching through uh, Smallville right now, and um, there are like sometimes there'd be an episode where I'll be like God it's so annoying that Clark just won't tell anyone a secret and then like five seconds later like someone like Chloe will be like Gosh I hate aliens or something like that and I'm like All right well. <laughs> although i am at the part where uh chloe has discovered clark's secret uh but he doesn't know that yet okay Um, so um, like midway through season four, right yeah so right after alicia was that her name alicia the teleport girl um Mm -hmm. like poofs her in just in time to see clark uh grabbing a car yep um and not to get us totally off track, but that episode ends with a great moment where uh, Lois or Chloe asks Lois for advice and is like, I found something out that someone didn't really want me to know. They don't know I know. Should I tell them? And Lois gives this advice where she was like, like, is a secret going to hurt someone? Like, do you have like a moral duty to, to tell and Chloe's like, no. And then she's like, then I think you should just make sure this person knows that they're loved and supported at every turn. And they'll tell you when they're ready. And as a queer person, it's very difficult not to uh, put a queer reading onto that. 
but I was just like, fuck yeah, Lois. That's like, that is perfect, perfect advice. Um, so anyway, that's not what we're here to discuss, but it, it did just, uh, it really moved me in a way that I wasn't expecting to be moved uh, in an episode about a teleporting girl. Hey man, it happens. Um, but uh, back to our regular girl, Cordelia. Um <laughs> She shows up with um with business cards. Angel Investigations now has business cards, and uh, they have a bird owl. Um, okay, I'm gonna call bullshit. Lobster? It's very obvious that it's an angel. I think these, <laughs> I think these cards look nice. I think that the production design did not do a good enough job making these look as terrible as everyone's acting like they look. I, I liked the logo. I say, good job, Cordelia. Um, I also want to use this as a moment to introduce what I think will probably become a recurring segment um, called, How Does Angel Get Compared to Batman Today? Um, (laughs) Because Doyle, when they see the business cards, is like, yeah, it's not like you've got a big signal to shoot out into the sky. Um, two episodes in, and we've already gotten at least, like, three Batman comparisons. And at the end of this episode, uh, uh, Angel finds his Commissioner Gordon. (laughs) Yeah, right? (laughs) So, funny thing about that, uh, that design, by the way, that Cordelia made, um, my first convention that I ever went to, um, in Chicago... Uh, they had like this um, styling online had a big t-shirt tower there uh, they have that like a lot of different um, a lot of different uh, conventions and stuff and yeah it's basically just like a whole bunch of nerdy designs but the one shirt that I did buy from there uh, was actually I may have bought a couple but one that I that I did buy there was angel investigations and it has that picture on it nice and it says, uh, underneath it says, we help the helpless, which like hasn't really become the catchphrase yet, but yeah. s- slight spoiler, it does. Um, but yeah, uh, so right as, um, right as, like, Cordelia is just like, stop making fun of my, <laughs> stop making fun of my art, that's when, uh, that's when Doyle all of a sudden gets one of his visions, but it's not exactly detailed yeah just a bar that he recognizes a bar with a really dumb name (laughs) what does that mean yeah so when they first showed that when they first showed that uh that sign i honestly thought they were trying to spell diabolique and like the french film Uh like the french horror film and i thought there might have been an extra apostrophe in there and (laughs) I'm like, oh, this, is, this looks so bad. And Doblique, that's actually not that much better. Yeah, I'm not a fan of this name. I'm actually looking it up right now to see if it actually... Because it, like, it sounds French, so I'm like wondering if it is an actual French word or if it's just a word they made up that sounds French. Um, <laughs> no, it is... It is not a word. This is... Oblique is a word. Um... But Doblik. Yeah. So, <laughs> this is a dumb name for this club. 
Um, and this club, I think Doyle describes it perfectly when he says it's one of those places that's perpetually stuck in the 80s. Hey, the, you know, the 80s was a good decade. I get that it's the, known as the decade of excess, but... I, hey. I agree, <laughs> but I think there's a difference between, like... Um, do, do, doing that like as a theme as like uh as opposed to being just like really outdated because <laughs> you're really outdated <laughs> i would not go to doblique <laughs> but yeah um so at this club uh there's a girl named sharon and uh She's actually uh, under the watchful eye of a man named Kevin. Mm-hmm. So, you know, we're going to go with, like, some of the whitest names we've got here. <laughs> and uh, <laughs> so they start talking and they talk about, you know, we need to make a real connection. Because like, we're both kind of feeling lonely. And uh, this is around the time that our team arrives. And uh, Angel, unfortunately... <laughs> Decides to go as subtle as he can by just kind of walking up to the bar and asking the bartender, like, hey, is there, like, anything going on? It's... You know, anything dangerous? He's like, <laughs> oh, the really crazy girls show up, like, in an hour or so. <laughs> it's very reminiscent the way he approaches this uh, to the, the premiere when he t- tries to talk to Tina. And he's like, so, um... Are you in trouble? Like, it's like, dude, you gotta, you gotta do a better job at this. I, I really enjoy this scene of the episode mm-hmm. because of that awkwardness that Angel still feels. It's like you're. It just shows how different Sunnydale and um, L.A. is. Mm-hmm. Whereas Sunnydale, it's quite obvious when there's a demon coming after you, and it's usually like. A fairly re- like mm-hmm. fairly recurring thing, whereas Angel has to one kind of a lot more than usual stay under the radar. Which mm-hmm. Doyle does say like, "Hey, we got to try to stay under the radar." While Cordelia's just <laughs> passing out these cards like like it's nobody's business, dude. She's literally she's going up to people like, "You look like you could use some help." Here's a card. Like, <laughs> you take hey, call too. us if you ever need help. Call us if you ever need help. <laughs> uh, but yeah, and like so now, Angel just doesn't really know how to go about this. It's mm-hmm. it. I mean, and he needs to have that. Like Doyle has constantly said, he needs to have that connection, and that's that is very much not in the realm of our dark broody boy (laughs) (laughs) um that comparison you made to how he operated in sunnydale um to how he has to operate now too is apt um because um in sunnydale because the monsters were so prevalent angel and the rest of the scoobies typically acted um they were typically more reactive um yeah, they you know they they went to where there were people in trouble, or or you know they reacted to when they saw people in trouble, because of Doyle's visions, uh, Angel Investigations have the ability to be more proactive. But with that comes this awkwardness because the visions are vague of trying to yeah figure out you know what the trouble is and who's in trouble, um, and then once you once you do figure that out, as we saw with Tina. 
what does that, you know, how do you, how do you broach that? How do you get them to trust you? Um, so yeah, it's an interesting new dynamic that, uh, um, the show plays with, um, once again, doing a good job, I think, of, uh, differentiating itself from its parent show. Yep. That's, and that's going to become really important moving forward. But, uh, you know, it is, it is really funny. Um, I'm going to try to be vague about future episodes here. Uh, but it was really funny talking about some of our favorite stuff in this series in our um, in our Hot Takes episode, which was completely spoiler-filled. And it's very interesting to see the beginning of Angel after mm-hmm. we talk so much about later things that happen in Angel. And yeah. this, show, this show very much grows into something that in the end may not look too familiar from where it starts but mm-hmm. at the same time still keeps some of its some of its wonderfulness uh that we get here from the beginning yeah and um uh doyle is like basically trying to tell cordelia hey you know people might start asking questions and uh then we'll have to worry about the v word and Cordelia, of course, like, oh, you mean vampires? And like, no, vigilante. She also says For vampire, once. like, as loudly as she can. <laughs> <laughs> Angel, meanwhile, um, meets Kate. Uh, <laughs> Hi, Jason. Jason just knocked me over. Okay. That's cool. Technically, I... I see my beautiful Technically, face. I knocked my phone over. Well, I mean, I'm the hot one, so... <laughs> Um, this is Kate. She's played by Elizabeth Rome. And uh, I absolutely know there's something else that I've seen her in, and I'm looking her up right now. Um, I think she was in that movie Joy. Wasn't she Jennifer Lawrence's sister in that movie? Quite possibly. I saw that movie all of once. I didn't um, see it, but I remember looking at the cast list, and there was a, whoever plays her sister, if it's not this actress, was like someone else that I, I remember. She was the, in... He- she was in Heroes. Oh, she uh, was? Yeah. Hang on. The, uh, unfortunately, the, unfortunately, the, um, the Buffy wiki isn't as helpful as regular Wikipedia is going to be for this <laughs> yeah. one. Yeah, she was uh, in Joy. She was also in American Hustle, but I don't remember, I don't remember uh, her she role seems in to American ha- Hustle. So she seems to have, like, a little bit of a negotiation worked out with uh, David O. Russell, <laughs> apparently. Um, in Heroes, she is Lauren Gilmore. Um, I don't remember who that is. Uh, oh, she CIA was... agent who previously worked as Noah Bennett's closest co-worker. I kind of remember her. Okay, yeah, the bit of a forgettable character from a bit of a forgettable show. Yeah. <laughs> Sorry. Uh, no, I mean, like, stellar first season and then... <laughs> um she's but you know i'm just looking at her wikipedia she has been working pretty consistently um it's funny i'm seeing a lot of law enforcement uh roles on her uh apparently she was in three law and order video games wait there are law and order video games i did not know that Dude, like, bottom of a list of acting performances in video games. Law and Order, Dead on the Money. That's right. Law and Order, Double or Nothing. She was a a regular on Law and Order for a a couple seasons. I forgot about that. Um, 
Oh, there you go. 85 episodes. Wow. She has, um, if I, if this is the character I'm thinking of, though, she, um, uh, basically in, there's an episode, like her last episode that she's in. Yeah. She gets fired and she's like, is this because I'm a lesbian? And like, it had never been established up to that point that she was, that she was a queer character. And then she's like never seen again before. Or never seen again after that. Um, it's I've never watched the show, but I remember reading about that and being like, "Wow, that is really strange." Wow. Okay. Yeah. All right. Wow. I'm. That's that is very weird. Um, um, so <laughs> Elizabeth but, Rome is the actress who plays Kate, and she has had a uh, an interesting <laughs> career. It appears. Yeah, from the Law and Order video games to. So that person from Heroes. Um, anyway, uh, yeah. So she and Angel kind of hit it off. Mm-hmm. It's uh it works. It um, and uh, it's funny because uh, it's very easy to confuse her with the other pale white girl that just left the uh, <laughs> yeah, right. that just left the club. The pale white blonde girl who just left the club with uh, Kevin. Of course, talking about Sharon. Oh, um, Sharon. But uh, as Angel and, um, so there's a point when Kate says, like, hey, do you want to, like, go somewhere? And uh, if Angel were allowed to have sex, it'd be like, uh, yeah, because Elizabeth <laughs> Rome is hot. It's also, like, technically pronounced Elizabeth Rim. Because okay. um, of the, the umlaut over the O. Uh, but, um, yeah, unfortunately, he's like, I can't. I have to, you know, stay here. And... Obviously, Kate it does what anybody would do in that situation. Immediately think that there's something wrong with her. Yeah. Um, yeah, I feel so bad for yeah. her in this moment. Like, um, I, you know, that's petered out by what we learn about her a little later. Where I'm like, okay, she's fine. But um, in that moment, I'm just like, damn, Angel, come on. I do like how they kind of like she talks to him and she's like, first she's like, you you don't look very good. And he's like, what? And then she's like, oh, I'm sorry, like you. Like, <laughs> you you look good and he's like so um, which one is it <laughs> yes it's it's adorably awkward on both sides um unfortunately this is broken up because uh cordelia gate has been giving out the cards and this guy comes up and assumes that that's her uh number for mm-hmm. you know the the funky bumps and uh and and uh doyle's like uh no but then the yeah cordelia's kind of like getting a little annoyed that uh doyle's defending her but she's getting more annoyed at Mm -hmm. the asshole who thinks that she's a hooker yeah um so it's it's very interesting this dynamic that she has because she clearly like she she clearly feels a little patronized by by how doyle's acting um and she very i think she even says at one point like i can handle this myself um and and she does. I, I think Cordelia does a great job of telling this guy to back up, back off. But when he uh, he that yeah, this guy then calls her. Uh, his like friend comes over and yeah, he calls her a hooker, um, which is rude. Um, yeah, <laughs> like, I'd say so. And uh, Doyle uh, Doyle's like, all right, all right, let's like simmer down. And then he headbutts this guy. <laughs> Um, yeah, it's like violence never solved anything. Headbutts, and it's like, but I mean, it's fun to try. <laughs> um, 
And, uh, yeah, so, of course, Angel has to come in and save Doyle's ass, because that's clearly the dynamic that we knew was going to happen anyway. <laughs> um, and, uh, and, yeah, so, um, he ends up, like, uh, yeah, Angel ends up, like, beating up the guys, and it's really funny because there's this, like, woman who runs up she's like oh my god are you okay and joel's just like oh yeah I'm fine. but she's clearly talking to angel yeah. and he's just like oh man and um angel of course is trying to uh see if oh maybe this is the person who needs our help and um unfortunately he doesn't realize that he's just getting hit on and uh yeah and but kate does kate notices that and she gets pissed yeah uh, they um yep the the guys who started the fight are kicked out of the club uh, but angel and gang basically stay until last call and there's a really nice scene here um between the three of them where they talk about um i mean they talk about the theme of the episode um about <laughs> you know how difficult it can be um especially once you're an adult to to go out and make con- new connections and new friends and um you know this episode is one of those we talked we talked about a lot in the first three seasons of Buffy that kind of is taking this metaphor for something we go through um and putting a monster to it and in this case it's like it's dating um as I, I mentioned this in our living conditions episode last week that moving forward on Buffy we see fewer of those um, and we see even fewer of them here on Angel, I think. Um, but they do pop up periodically. But I think Cordelia makes a great point of why that is. Um, she talks about how it was so easy in high school. You know, you know everyone... And it's true. In high school, everyone has... You, you have this one thing in common. You know, this one place you go to every day for four years. And in some places for seven years for 12 years with the same people um it's it's easy to find commonality in that sort in that sort of situation but once you're out of it you know those the those um experiences that you're having with the people around you are much much less universal and that does make it more difficult sometimes i think to to forge those connections um and to and to maintain those connections as well um, so I just, I thought it was very, this, this scene was, this real small scene was very insightful, particularly with that, what Cordelia had to, had to say about it. Yeah. And, um, yeah, it's, and it does, and like you said, that does extend, um, to dating as well. Um, and, uh, it, it's very, it's very interesting because you have a, I, I mean, I know it's been a while since you've dated, um, but, uh, God. It's, it's, it's very, um, it's such a strange dynamic that you have, the people that you're most comfortable with being out with are usually kind of like, the dynamic that you have with them isn't something that, uh, usually you'd want to change through dating. So you're typically kind of left with meeting people that you don't, that you've never met before. And this is like supposed to be um a person that hopefully you can establish a really good connection with and i mean in the perfect world the best connection with Mm -hmm. and it's it's it comes across as a little daunting just like oh 
I mean, maybe the, uh, maybe like a person who's out there for me is a complete stranger. So how do I like, how do I get to that point? (laughs) (laughs) How do I get from point A to point like, uh, W? Because there's like plenty of, uh, plenty of steps in between there. But Mm -hmm. yeah, it's, it, it, it can be very, and I mean, there are times when people are like, oh, well, just go out to a bar and talk to people. Well, we can't. Can. That's really... Yeah, one, <laughs> one, we can't do that. But even if there were no coronavirus, that's still a daunting thing to do. Like, just, oh, just go up and talk to a random person? Yeah, no, it absolutely and is. And not, not come off as a creep? Because I feel like anybody immediately puts their guards up, like, when somebody different comes up and tries talking to them. And yeah. there's... I can't blame them. <laughs> Dude, the I met John at a party and I was I was white girl wasted and like the only reason I went up to him and started talking to him and I was like was because I had no inhibitions. Like I I <laughs> a little bit of liquid courage. Oh my gosh. And I would never like I, maybe because we were at a party and we like had a lot of mutual friends there, like a conversation may have struck up more naturally, but yeah, like in a bar, like with a complete stranger, the idea of that scares the ever living shit out of me. Like, um, yeah, yeah. So I, I'm, yeah, I'm grateful that I don't have to have to do that anymore. Um, good for you. you know, unless I want to, <laughs> you know, unless I'm, uh, you know, I'm prowling. Um, oh boy. <laughs> Speaking of prowling, um, the uh, the next morning, Kevin and Sharon are in bed, and um, oh yeah, Sharon's getting dressed because they did the they did the funky bumps last night. Uh, but I don't know why I keep Where going did this with come this. From when, when... I don't know. It was like I've used so many different euphemisms for sex that I might as well just like find a completely new one, and that's what came out of my mouth first. I'm gonna challenge you. To find a new euphemism for sex every episode. No, challenge not accepted. <laughs> I cannot deal with that onus. Okay, fine. <laughs> fine. But uh, yeah, uh, post Funky Bumps, they, um, <laughs> uh, Sharon is getting dressed and uh, Kevin's a bloody mess. So I'm not going to lie. I'm pretty sure that there are quite a few people, including me, the first time that they saw this, that assumed that Sharon was the one in danger. Mm-hmm. Um, because that, that's kind of... It's the classic Buffy Yeah, that's kind of like what... Yeah. Um, and, I, and it's funny that it still works, because it's literally the first thing the show ever did was make us think that Darla was the damsel in distress when it turns out <laughs> that she was the monster. Um... And it it still manages to to make that kind of twist work, um, especially here, as we'll learn um, that it's not quite as simple as that. That it's not just that he was the victim and she was the monster. Um, yeah, but uh, but yeah, it's a it's a very effective reveal, and uh, the makeup on this guy's body and the like the gore, like the gore itself is minimal because it's network television, but it's very effective. Yeah. Like it is gnarly looking, and uh, I really I really liked it. Yeah, I, I actually like um I like a lot of the uh, a lot of the prosthetics that go on, especially with the bartender at the end. Mm-hmm. Yeah, because um, I mean, like it may it may like look a, 
like, there might be some people who think, like, oh, it's not, like, that good. But, I mean, I think it looks great. I mean, the dude's literally falling apart, and he, like, has (laughs) to hold up flaps of skin. (laughs) It's so gross. And, yeah, I think it doesn't necessarily (laughs) hold up necessarily to, like, the prosthesis work you see nowadays. But I I still think it looks good. Um, It does. uh, And it helps that it's, you know, more dimly lit, I think, in a, like, a... A, a more well lit uh, room that might that effect might not work as well. But uh, yeah, at this point, uh, the team doesn't have anything to do except uh, try to research any of the past incidents and that happened at Doblique, which Cordelia. <laughs> oh my god! It's revealed that she cannot type. She is very much a hunter and pecker. Oh my god! With it D. Okay, where's the apostrophe? Where's the apostrophe? <laughs> I, I love how Doyle's just like, oh my god, I'll do it. Um, which, it, you know, <laughs> I do have to say, I, I, we make fun of that now, but, um, I mean, I'm pretty sure that, like, before either of us knew how to type on a computer, that um, that's definitely what we would do. would be like, did you ever have typing classes in school so yes we actually had a computer program uh called type to learn yeah 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 we had that sixth too. grade uh that was one of the most frustrating things that i went through in grade school but i came out all the better for mm-hmm. it. and yeah it's like and i mean i can't really blame cordelia for this because the 90s, late 90s, you weren't spending as much time mm-hmm. on computers as we are now. Yeah. So. And we, I mean, we saw Cordelia in the computer class in season one where she clearly wasn't doing particularly well. Um, <laughs> it, is, it is funny, though, that that is kind of, we are at that, um, at that turning point, though, that, you know, 2000 uh, or 1999 was where this is, is around the time, I think, that they started introducing like computer classes in my school um, or in like typing classes. So um, we're, we're kind of at that generation gap where, you know, the the Cordelia's character wouldn't have gotten that in school, but we're getting to the point where, yeah, certain um, uh, people would be starting to get that. Um, I will say Cordelia, if you're going to be an office manager, that's a skill you should uh, (laughs) start to work on. Don't worry. Don't worry, we've still got phone books. <laughs> um, so, yeah, they basically find out that uh, a one woman was mutilated and a man was eviscerated. Um, so, and they had both been at the club. So Angel asked Doyle and Cordelia to see, like, oh, research any evisceration demons um, in his in his, uh, what I'm assuming is like his basement, uh, library with all of his mm-hmm. demon books. And, uh, so Angel decides he's gonna go to Doblique. I don't know why, um, I, I don't know why I thought this was so funny, but when he's, like, giving them the instructions on the, uh, on what to research, like, he says, like, research evisceration specifically, and Cordelia just picks up a little notepad to presumably write down research <laughs> evisceration. And it's like... It's not a gag. It, I mean, I it literally just is like sub, like you know taking a note on what you've been told to do. But I, yeah, I, you know, I 
there's something about it that was very familiar, like work having worked in an office and like, you know, your manager tells you like, this is what I need you to do. Okay, I'm going to write these instructions down. But in this instance, instead of like, pull this report on ticket sales for this show, or, you know, I need a list of employees who have been trained on this software or whatever. It's, I need you to research eviscerations. <laughs> <laughs> It's like Oz says, we don't live regular lives. <laughs> yeah. <laughs> um, when Angel goes to Doblique, he actually uh, bumps into Kate. And, um, and I like that the uh, Buffy wiki says, on his way in, Angel literally bumps into Kate, <laughs> who takes umbrage when he tries to warn her of suspiciously non-specific danger wow what a (laughs) sentence um it's all really accurate um i love the use of the word umbrage it's a great word that does not get used enough um and uh yes suspiciously non-specific danger is like angel's favorite you know uh, i mean we we always talk about he oh he lives for it appearing out of his shadow to say Danger's coming. What danger? Gotta go by. <laughs> what danger? That is that is his, that is his mo. <laughs> since since welcome to hell mouth. <laughs> exactly. Oh. But yeah, and he's and like at this point, he's really just trying to tell Kate this because he can't reveal like oh this is a demon. Um, because then, like, that'll lead to the whole, like, oh, God, demons exist, and, uh, oh, God, you're a vampire? Uh, it'll, it would eventually get there. He's just, like, but he does, like, he did establish a connection with her, and he's, like, please just don't, don't go in there. She's, like, uh, well, you know what? I go where I fucking well want to. <laughs> and, um, and then just walks into the club, and he just, like, God damn it. Um, it's one of those things where i'm like on one hand i'm like good for her that's right kate you don't tell you don't let any man tell you what to do and then there's the other half of me going kate he's right honey you gotta you should listen (laughs) look i know you don't nobody wants to listen to the man but at this point you kind of need to um there's a if it helps he's a demon he's not all man (laughs) yeah (laughs) um He's better than most men because he's also a demon. Um, there's a scene in here where there are some regulars at the bar um, uh, and uh, the bartender talking about Sharon and uh, Kevin going home with Sharon. And they are so... Or, uh, the bartender is pretty decent. But these guys talking about Sharon are such assholes. Like... No. Oh my god. I cannot I cannot wait. I cannot wait to talk about one of my favorite things of this episode. It happens a little later <laughs> on, but uh, it'll build on that. Okay. Um but yeah, meanwhile like Sharon and Kate are sitting so close to each other that she, it's very easy to confuse them uh, <laughs> yeah. because they because they're both blonde and white. <laughs> yeah, I, of course Angel would be drawn to these blonde white women. Do we need a blonde white woman tally on this show <laughs> that Angel has a connection with? Uh, but um, yeah, so. Uh, Sharon is basically leaving with this geeky guy named Neil. So if you needed a, 
if you needed a nerdy white guy's name, yeah. you got Neil. Like we're we're not digging too far into the into the well for these yeah. name ideas. Um, they got their copy of What to Name Your White Baby and <laughs> Sharon, Neil, um, Kevin. Yeah, and Perfect. yeah, and Angel is able to get some info about Sharon, and uh, he like is finally able to get a last name from uh, whatever douchebag was standing next yeah. to him. Um, you know how there's sometimes and, uh, there's these characters who are just so odious, and then they don't get killed off, and you're like, fuck that. Um, this makes me think of the 2018 Halloween, her, uh, Allison's shit heel boyfriend who survived. Oh my God. Yeah. But he's in the next one and I'm like, good, really good. Uh, this means he dies horribly in it. Hopefully, (laughs) hopefully they let him live. um, I hope that little kid's in there too. Cause he was hilarious. He was funny. funny. (laughs) Um, shut up, (laughs) Neil. I don't even remember what his name was. Oh gosh, I don't either. Like, uh, what was the boyfriend's name? I um, just watched this on Halloween. I watched this. Uh, <laughs> I think the boyfriend's name was Charlie. Yeah, just like, sh- and like the little kids just like, shut up, Charlie. <laughs> Fuck you. Um. Oh, but yeah, I need to do a rewatch of that movie. Um, but uh. Halloween aside, yeah, <laughs> they um, <laughs> uh, oh, it yeah, was Angel's Dave. able to it was uh, Dave. Dave, it was Dave. That makes sense because yeah, it's like shut the fuck up, Dave. Yeah. That sounds more. <laughs> that, that sounds right. Um, <laughs> oh gosh. But uh, yeah, so Angel uh, runs to the phone book and gets an address for um, for Sharon, which. Is interesting. Like, I guess I, I guess I don't know what a phone book um, would be like in LA. But then again, I don't know if anybody knows what a phone book would be like in LA because yeah. we don't use phone books anymore. But I mean, like, I feel like most people in LA live in apartments, mm-hmm. so I guess those apartments are listed in there too. But I mean, Probably. I feel like people, I feel like people move in and out of apartments so much that. Hell, that uh, given phone book is probably twenty five to thirty percent inaccurate at least. Probably, um, yeah. But I mean, in this case, it is accurate. Um, so uh, while uh, right after having very brief sex with Neil, um, <laughs> sorry, Neil, Neil. Uh, Sharon reveals that. Uh, oh yeah, I have this demon inside of me, and he's jumping to you. Mm-hmm. And, uh, so yeah, it turns out to be a parasitic demon, and, uh, and, um, Neil is getting dressed just as Angel walks into the apartment, and, hey, you know, he can walk into the apartment because Sharon's dead. Sharon's dead. There's, um, there's a great line when Angel walks in, and the demon just goes, you're not human. And Angel's <laughs> like, uh, look who's talking, buddy. <laughs> Uh, there's this um i don't know if i've told you about this before but like that just made me think of um there's this uh scene in uh vampire diaries season two when uh when like damon's going damon and a couple of the other characters are going into this apartment um that like has some witches in it and he like he tries to he basically just like puts his hand forward a little bit, then like puts his foot forward, and he can find he finds that he can go into the apartment. He's like, "Yep, 
everybody's dead. <laughs> <laughs> That's pretty funny. Um, <laughs> oh, that, that that is some fun shit. But um, yeah, what isn't fun is Neil beating the is Demon Neil beating the shit out of Angel. Mm-hmm. Like Angel cannot cannot get like an advantage on this guy. Um, and uh, yeah, of course. Uh, Neil gets away before, right before Kate arrives, and uh, she sees the dead girl. She sees Angel, and immediately assumes that oh, Angel did this. So she pulls her gun, and hey, guess what? She's LAPD. Yep. Um, is there? It was bugging me while I was watching it. I, it feels like there was an episode of Torchwood that had this kind of similar plot. Do you remember that? It felt like there was like some demon Ooh. using or some entity like jumping between people via sex does that sound familiar that if it happened it definitely happened on torchwood (laughs) hell that might even be like that might even be like first or second or third episode it's yeah now that i think about it because early ones no i yeah and i remember um i remember watching some of those early episodes with ben and and uh yeah and i remember like there's this scene where like People are having sex in the bathroom, and he's like, "Whoa, torch wood!" <laughs> oh, yes, yes. It's it's the second episode. The, uh, the second episode, day okay. one, and it's a sex gas. Um, there you go. Uh, wow. So this is a sex. This is a slug. sex um slug. Yeah, oh, for lack God. of a better word, they are leaf blowing right outside my house. Um, so that's probably gonna be. Are they hot? Uh, no. <laughs> but I'm not sure if the, the, the sound is going to make it onto the recording, but I think it is because they're like right outside this window. <laughs> I, I see. Fantastic. <laughs> but yeah, and uh, Angel is like just trying to say like, hey, Kate, this isn't me. I'm trying to help. And she like just says, yeah, whatever. And so she's about to arrest him and he uh, basically has to give her the old one punch and yeah. <laughs> not one two because that might have really hurt her there's but a great give her bit the old... where she um she's got him she's about to cuff him she's got him up against the wall and uh david borean is a stunt double uh does this like backwards kick that's like really high <laughs> it was really cool i i, I thought it, i thought it looked really good but yes yeah, so this then uh leads him to taking his nearest exit which is right out the window and uh, makes for a really good shot for the opening credits. Yep. Yes, it does. <laughs> Love an identifying credit shot. And since this is the, like the beginning of the series, we're gonna get a lot of them in these first couple episodes because yep. <laughs> that's all they have. That's all the footage that they had. Yep. <laughs> um, so we go to Cordelia's apartment where um, uh, everyone's being real mean to Cordelia about her apartment. Like, just. <laughs> y'all be nice she's bore (laughs) (laughs) yeah Um, girls in debt (laughs) they um so they're gonna they're gonna lay low at cordelia's place um since uh uh they they figure kate has figured out where their office is um and we uh get to uh there's there's a uh there's a pit where he's like he tells her cordelia and 
um, and Doyle to research burrowers and <laughs> Cordelia goes, donkeys? There weren't any donkey demons. <laughs> <laughs> Oh, yeah. Cordelia, Cordelia definitely, like, they give her a couple ditzy moments in this episode. Yeah. Um, And I feel like it's, I feel like uh, if you're not familiar with Cordelia's character, it kind of comes off as a little, like, demeaning to her. Mm -hmm. But, um, but, I mean, we all know that Cordy's more than capable of, Quite a bit of stuff. I mean, she made those really awesome lobster cards. Yes. <laughs> Mad. Um. <laughs> yeah, and of course, like, the demon's doing its thing. It uh, finds a, finally, a non-white person to jump into. <laughs> but we don't get her name, which sucks. <laughs> yep. Um, but, uh, and while this is happening, um, Kate is actually just, you know, illegally searching Angel Investigations and Angel's Apartments. Um, <laughs> but, uh, Doyle and Cordelia eventually find the burrower, and, uh, it is, uh, what was it, Tama or something? Something like that. Tal- Tal- Talamore. Yeah. Talamore, yeah. Uh, thank you, Buffy Wiki. <laughs> and, um, yeah, and this is, uh, this is the first, uh, and this is, like, a demon from, like, the beginning of time, that basically jumps from host to host trying to find the perfect one, which will probably never happen if it's been doing this since the beginning of time. Yeah. Uh, <laughs> you know, I thought they were going to yeah, show they... this this way this uh, um, this way that that maybe like it was going to try to jump into Angel that because Angel's like vampire form would be resistant to whatever it does to its hosts but it it never really goes that direction which i thought was um not that it needed to but like i that that was where i thought it was gonna go and then it never does it just tries to go into kate yeah um but yeah they also find out that the uh the the thing is vulnerable to fire Mm -hmm. so uh angel kind of keeps that nugget uh in his head and um but Kate is going to uh, Kate is going to Doblik to find um, to basically like oh we're getting to my favorite part of the episode. Uh, Kate goes to Doblik and she asks the bartender, "Hey, can you like look out for that tall, dark, good-looking guy? Um, tell me when he comes in." He's like, "Yeah, sure." And uh, by the way, one of my favorite recurring jokes throughout the show is how many people just comment on like. Oh, you know, Angel, he's like that tall, good-looking guy. Yeah. <laughs> and everyone's like, oh, yeah, that guy, yeah. Yeah, that one. I mean, he's an actor. <laughs> According um, to that agent. There's a great moment um, very early on in the episode, the first time they go to Dublique, that we, we skipped over, but we see him talking to some guy at the bar, and the guy, like, walks off in a huff, and Angel's just go, I wasn't hitting on you, I promise. <laughs> <laughs> Oh, Harrison, he was... Harrison wishes that he was that guy, but he would have stayed around. Oh, yeah. <laughs> Listen, if David Boreanaz is hitting on me, dude's rich. Like... <laughs> Harrison, see people for more than more than their money. Like, Fine. Just He's think rich you'll and have, like, hot. Yeah, you'll get, like, that... You'll get, like... You'll get, like, backstage passes to his nips. <laughs> <laughs> I thought you were going to say it, like... 
I was thinking like getting like going onto set of the show he's on, and I was like, eh, I, I don't watch Seal Team. I don't care to. <laughs> no, maybe Bones. I didn't watch Bones, but I mean, there were some interesting people on that show that I could have I could have been like, yeah, I'd, I'd hang out with Emily Deschanel. She seems cool. Like. <laughs> But, uh, yeah, and this is my favorite, this is one of my favorite parts of the episode. This douchey guy comes up and starts, he, like, immediately sits down and starts talking to Kate, who really tries to tell him, like, hey, I don't want you here. (laughs) And, of course, you immediately think in your mind, oh, my God, this is, like, this is the, uh, Mm -hmm. this is the demon. This is, like, Talmar. And, uh, and then, um, the bartender's like, oh, hey, so just a heads up, that guy, uh, He's in the back, and um, and she's like, "Oh, okay." So she goes, um, so she follows the bartender back there, and then of course the bartender reveals that by whacking her on the head with a with a champagne bottle, reveals that oh, that's where the demon is. Mm-hmm. So that guy that was talking to Kate before, just he was just bag. a fucking Chad. He was just a Chad. She calls him a <laughs> troll, um, which is really <laughs> funny. And I, I, I love that. I just love... I, I don't know why that tickled me so much, but just the fact, like, oh, yeah, good job by the writers of making you be like, oh, yeah, this is clearly... Any douchebag guy could be this... Yep. Could be this demon. Uh, it turns out, though, it's the bartender, who actually came across as, like, kind of nice. He did. He until seemed na- like a really friendly dude. Um, until now, when, like, uh, he's... He, uh, like, just takes her jacket off and like rips the back of her shirt and mm-hmm. that honestly that imagery is really rough it's like, very um, yeah very um yeah like, i was i was honestly surprised that it went that like i mean we say graphic but i mean yeah for i for think what it, it is, is graphic given yeah i think it is graphic given the context because obviously this is meant to show like oh hey this is rape yeah it's that, also that's what um, it is it's interesting I, we've seen the demon really not have any trouble making these connections um and being able to do its body hop more or less i'm gonna say quote unquote consensually um obviously it's not but it it you know it's done a better job of of um luring its victims in um i just find it interesting that in this host body it's been unsuccessful in that and has to resort to this more violent method. Um, and it's interesting that specifically the body that um, it's having more difficulty in is that of, uh, of a black man and um, who is the bartender and not a patron at this club. Um, so I, I, I'm, I'm wondering if there's some social commentary that's trying to be made. Um, about how the people I mean, at this bar don't they look down on this guy it doesn't really go there though but it's i think it's I, interesting. yeah i i think i think it more kind of boils down to the fact that not many people go to bars and hit on the bartender yeah there's that um, too. i mean i guess that social commentary is there if you want to see it but i'm i'm not feeling it um <laughs> i i a white man i'm not feeling it so <laughs> Well, and that's the thing. I don't know that it's necessarily, like... Intentional. Intentional. um, But there's certainly a layer there that uh, doesn't really get explored, potentially. But, yeah. Um, But, yeah, so... uh, Angel shows up, though. And they brawl. They brawl. 
And uh, even though the uh, the demon is still able to overpower Angel um, and like throw Angel and Kate into a basement, the uh, the um, like the demon is like able to. Uh, he's he's basically kind of starting to come apart. Like Angel yeah. comments, like, "Oh, like you're you weren't able to finish." So, because, like, the demon did start to come out. Yeah. It's like, you weren't able to finish, so now you're coming apart. And, uh... Which, that... Oh, boy. That is... That had to be deliberate, right? There's no... Oh, yeah. There's no way that they chose the words finish and come for that line in this sex-heavy episode on accident. Yeah. <laughs> like... No, 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 no. And, um, so the... So, after, like, readjusting its, its skin... Uh, the demon bartender walks in and like basically just tries to pull as many of his pickup lines out as he can and all the girls are like oh my god this guy's like drenched in blood and, and yeah. it gets to the point where he's like outside the bar and he's like please I just want to hold you <laughs> <laughs> oh god yeah, it's almost sad uh, <laughs> um, back yeah, in- and meanwhile Kate, Kate and Angel they're trying to get out of this basement okay and- okay Okay. Angel pulls out a motherfucking grappling <laughs> hook. Because there's like a window up that like that they can get to. And it's so funny because he pulls it out and Kate just looks at him and just goes, who are you? Like, which is the only if we sane needed another, reaction. If we needed yet another Batman reference, <laughs> like motherfucker carries around a grappling hook. Um, unfortunately, <laughs> the grappling hook is an utter failure. It just manages to like bring down this like scaffold or this like wood beam and kate's just like which actually makes me question the structural integrity fair. of the bleak yeah um <laughs> i wouldn't even go to this place anyway <laughs> um and kate's just like oh my god you idiot and she pulls out her gun and shoots <laughs> the lock out of the door um <laughs> Which is uh, another fun, like, uh, subversion of, like, this, we're gonna do some badass heroics on a grappling hook. No, that's stupid. (laughs) (laughs) Yeah, and uh, so Kate and uh, Angel, like, split up, and uh, Angel's the one who finds the demon first, and uh, they're able to, like, uh, he saves a girl, they fight, and Angel's able to eventually just throw throw the demon bartender onto a uh, onto like a barrel fire that uh, some homeless people have been using and uh, like as he's heading towards Angel all aflame uh, that's when Kate shows up and puts the finishing blow in by shooting him multiple times yep um, and Kate basically um, Kate's like alright I'm pretty sure you're not a serial killer um always good to have somebody say that to you yeah and um they uh kate's basically like let's start over no secrets and angel's like yeah no secrets (laughs) (laughs) Um, she does tell him that she went through his stuff mm -hmm. like she went through his office without a warrant which is why they're like oh hey let's kind of start from scratch um so yeah, we're back to the whole like uh, Batman Commissioner Gordon comparison. Yeah. It's um, um, an- yet another way in which we're di- differentiating ourselves from Buffy. You know, Angel's got his quote unquote friend on the force now, um, which is something um, we. I mean, 
the the police in Sunnydale are almost a non-entity unless we need some people to come in and fuck everything up. Um, <laughs> like, so it's but, yeah, interesting. LA is a much LA is a much different beast. Mm-hmm. Um, by the way, um, I, this has nothing to do with Buffy or Angel, but um, I wanted to bring it up anyway because I love talking about this. So we talked about like um, oh Kate. Kate and Angel have the Commissioner Gordon Batman relationship because, um, you know, she doesn't know Angel's true identity of being a vampire. And I was about to say, like, oh, that kind of carries over for uh, Commissioner Gordon, not knowing that uh, Batman is Bruce Wayne. But um, this, I remember when I was a kid and I was watching the 90s Batman animated show. Um, It was one of the later episodes and uh, possibly my favorite episode and hang on, let me look it up just to make sure that I don't mess up the title. Uh, list of Batman. <laughs> so it opens up with uh, with Batman fighting uh, with, with Batman and his team. In this case, like Robin and Batgirl um, fighting the Scarecrow. And there's like a point when um, the Scarecrow basically has a crowbar and smacks um Batgirl across the face then she falls and lands on the ground and is basically is like almost dying Mm -hmm. and uh Commissioner Gordon shows up and he's like trying to call uh for help and then um and then like uh that's when uh she like just calls out dad and he takes like the mask off and sees that it's Barbara um so then this leads to uh like you don't really know what Commissioner Gordon's going to do next, but he like he goes into his office, call like and dials like a number. Bruce Wayne picks up the phone and and Commissioner Gordon says, "Wayne, I've let this go on long enough." So I wow. love, I, I just lo- no, I really loved how that kind of made it imply that mm-hmm. Commissioner Gordon knew all along, and as long as like the right people were getting were getting put away and nobody was getting hurt that um he was just gonna let it slide yeah um and why can't i find That's funny. this it's interesting so i'm watching arrow right now and i'm in where i am right now on arrow um uh oliver and uh lieutenant lance have a like a similar kind of agreement going on but it's it's very much like like Oliver would tell Lance, but Lance is just like la 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 la. I don't want to know. I'm gonna help you, but just <laughs> I do not want to know who you are. Um, which I I enjoy. I really enjoy that dynamic because it makes Lance not come across as an idiot. It like with how he can't figure it out. Like it just it makes mm-hmm. sense to me that he's like plausible deniability. That's all I ask for. <laughs> so the episode's called Over the Edge. And, um, I remember, like, a Watch Mojo was doing a, um, was doing, like, a countdown of, like, the top ten Batman the Animated Series episodes, and I was just, like, expecting, like, oh, their number one's gonna be, like, um, Two-Face or, uh, Heart of Ice with, like, Mr. Freeze or whatever, but no, their number one episode was this, and I was like, oh my god, that's my favorite episode, <laughs> but yeah, nice. like, no, check out Over the Edge, because that episode rocks, um... But, uh, yeah, and, um, but Kate, uh, meanwhile, is able to, 
she's able to kind of pin it on just the bartender mm-hmm. because, oh, the bartender had access to everybody that was killed because they all went to the bar. Um, Angel doesn't really tell her why, uh, why it actually <laughs> was the case. Um, but yeah, so they kind of like have this uh, detente and they're like, oh, you know what? We're going to try to work together a little bit. Yeah. Um, and yeah, uh, so back at the office, Angel's trying to make his connections with uh, with Cordelia and Doyle by very awkwardly asking them, so like, hey, let's, yeah, let's, you know, go out for fun. They're like, or we can go home and you can stay here in the dark alone. And he's like, thank you. Yes. <laughs> That's what I want. It's Overwhelming <laughs> sense of relief. Very, It's a very funny uh, way to end the episode. Um, and it's funny because it, it could be sad. It could come across as pathetic. But actually, it shows us that these three do have a connection. And part of that connection is Cordelia and Doyle recognizing that, yeah, going out and clubbing is not Angel's thing. So they're not going to force him to do something that makes him uncomfortable when he could sit at home and relax, like, and brood. Oh, yeah, I got to tell you, it is awesome. It is so awesome when your friends respect your boundaries. Mm -hmm. Like, that is, that's a good sign of friendship right there. So, uh, the end. Oh, but yeah, that was Lonely Hearts. Um, bit of trivia. This episode, uh, the original, uh, like, script for this episode was entitled Corrupt. Um, and it was much, much darker. Um, Kate had, was supposed to be, like, uh, like, had a, had a drug addiction. Um. Oh, boy. And was working undercover as a prostitute. Um, and they, uh, one of the producers, um, it might have been Tim Minear. Um, it was probably Tim Minear because he was like one of the main producers on the show was like, no, that's like too dark, too, too much. Um, and I, I agree. I'm glad it didn't go there because that's just, that's just grim for the sake of it. And I, I don't think, you know, I, I like dark stories. I like dark storytelling. Um, but there, there, there should be a reason other than just for the sake of darkness in and of itself. Um, I, and you know, I think this story is already dark enough. I mean, we've got how many dead yeah. people by the end of it, um, and an innocent man basically being labeled a serial killer. Um, you know, I, I that's all grim enough. Without oh, Kate is also like a quote-unquote crack whore. Um, I hate that term, and but I'm only using it because that's definitely the um, the vibe they were probably going to try to go for. Yeah. And I'm glad that was la- they changed that. Um, I think that would have yeah, left it, a really it bad seems like very, Yeah, it seems like very early on they, they had to walk a fine line mm-hmm. with Angel because I get that they were trying to make it darker, um, they were trying to make it different from Buffy, but I mean, you gotta you gotta be careful what you do because mm-hmm. you don't want to like lose what made, you know, characters of Angel and Cordelia so great, mm-hmm. and like what makes it a, a fun ep- what what people loved about Buffy, right? Because you kind of want to carry over like that that very Buffy feeling, but still have Angel yeah. be its own thing. Yeah, it's a tough they, it's a tough rope to walk. They need to, the shows should be different and should have different tones and be different, but they still have to work in harmony with one another. Um, 
And actually, since we brought it up earlier, Torchwood has a similar uh, struggle in its first couple episodes. And I think that Torchwood in its first few episodes does lean a little too heavy. Like we said, episode two, sex gas. Um, into trying to yep. go like, look how dark we are. And and we're so different from Doctor Who. We're so edgy. And uh, it does find that balance uh, better later on. But those first couple episodes of Torchwood, oof, with the sexy cyber woman, ugh. Like, oh boy. Uh, <laughs> but uh, but again, that was Lonely Heart. <laughs> not... Do your best and try not to watch that Cyber Woman That's episode. So bad. <laughs> um, this episode is fine. It's a, I think it's a good continuation. We're still getting the um, uh, we're, we're you know the gang is congealing together. They're working together well. Um, I think the monster of the week is pretty cool. Like we've got this body jumper and like you said, the effects are really nice. Um, and then we have this unifying theme of connection, which is, um, obviously important to this episode, but as Doyle mentioned in the first episode is going to be important, um, for, for Angel's arc as well. He needs to be making connections. Um, so yeah, it's a fine episode. I think it doesn't really like blow me away. Um, I I'm gonna give this a, a three and a half. Uh, dumb club names out of five. I'm going to actually give this one a two and a half out of five. Uh, poorly typed words. <laughs> <laughs> Where's the apostrophe? <laughs> that's the half um yeah like it it it's not terrible like i'm not putting it like at one star mm-hmm. or whatever but like it it really feels like um it really just feels like a monster of the week episode mm-hmm. and um and i feel like those are good in the beginning to kind of as act as vehicles to set up um, your characters, but I feel like the only thing that was really set up was, uh, was, um, I almost said, I almost said another character's name, <laughs> <laughs> was, uh, was Kate. Yeah. And I, um, and that, that honestly, it wasn't enough to, like, drive the episode, and the episode, cut like, the episode structure is kind of, like, a little repetitive. It's like, yeah. oh, we go to the club. Something happens, we talk about it, we go to the club, something happens, we talk about it. It's, yeah, it was, it was very just like overall just kind of like, there's stuff to enjoy, mm-hmm. but overall just very middle of the road, yeah. which 2.5 out of 5. <laughs> That's yeah. a 50%. Um, yeah. Look who can math. Uh, well, it was touch and go there for a second. All right. Well, thank you for joining us on Booze and Buffy. We'll be back next week with Buffy Season 4, Episode 3, The Harsh Light of Day. And I'm going to keep this extremely vague because, you know, no spoilers. Um, But there is a character. Actually, there are three characters in this episode that I am so excited to see. Um, (laughs) So, yeah. There's that. Uh, I'm Jason. You can find me on Instagram at yamij 357 or you can find me on the Twitter at yamij. 
And I'm Harrison. You can find me on Instagram at Harrison Alexander Kaufman and on Twitter at Harrison Kaufman. That's spelled C-O-F-F-M-A-N. You can also find my thoughts on on genre, on the horror genre, at my blog, horrorbyharrison.blogspot.com. This week, I will be reviewing uh, Friday the 13th, part two, which is better than the first one. Ah, good old pillowcase head. Yeah, pillowcase head. (laughs) (laughs) You can find us on Facebook, Instagram, and Twitter at Booze and Buffy, or you can email us at boozeandbuffy at gmail.com. And by the way, let's throw in a little thoughts about... You apparently don't like Friday the 13th Part 1. I don't um, dislike it. I just... I think there I are think, much better entries in the franchise than the, the first one. I honestly really enjoy the first Friday the 13th because they, they went a very unpredictable route of not giving you any idea of what the hell was going on until the very end. And honestly, that's effective in giving you like a sense of horror and terror. Like you don't even know, you don't even know like the fact that like what they never say Jason Voorhees name until the very end of the movie. Uh, Like um, Pamela, Pamela Voorhees isn't revealed until um, the very end of the movie and you're like who's this because you've never seen her before yeah. and like it yeah, is a very effective like, reveal oh. yeah so and yeah it's just it's interesting that they went with like oh we're gonna make them go completely blind on this one um but yeah like i recently rewatched uh the first friday the 13th movie and i actually kind of liked it a little better it's an interesting a little better than i had in the past it was, it was an interesting approach interesting take on it Sorry about that. <laughs> interrupting the interrupting the normal spiel, but I, I had to say something. <laughs> uh, also, don't forget to subscribe and rate and review us on Apple Podcasts or wherever you get your podcasts. Each week, we like to give a shout out to a worthy charity or nonprofit. This week, we're highlighting Connections for Abused Women and Their Children. Connections for Abused Women and Their Children, or CAWC is committed to ending domestic violence. Using a self-help empowerment approach, we provide a shelter for adults and children, counseling, advocacy, and a 24-hour hotline for people affected by domestic violence. They work for social change through education, service collaboration, and institutional advocacy. Visit www.cawc.org for more information. And as always, go slay. And be gay. Bye-bye. Bye.